The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is both our Gospel reading from Mark 9 and our Epistle reading from James 3, focusing in on Jesus' words about being great. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Gospel reading tells us that the disciples were walking along a road on the way to a different location. And as they were doing it, they were having a discussion. The topic of their discussion, who would be greatest in the kingdom of God? Seems a little crass, doesn't it? Well, indeed it does. If only we could say that we never would have such a discussion or think, at least, along those lines. Sadly, though, it seems that in the history of Christianity, that question of who is the greatest always lingers in every gathering of Christians. Each person, at one time or another, decides that they must show that they have influence and power. They decide they have a reason why their opinion should count more than others. I do more of the work. I've been here longer. I give more. I'm new. I can see things more clearly. You know, I don't think I've ever heard a group of people walking along and actually discussing who was the greatest, but sometimes actions speak louder than words. Jesus teaches us again today in the Gospel reading that if we wish to be great in the kingdom of God, it is a much different endeavor than being great in any other area of life. For you see, in almost every other area of life, one becomes great by making sure that their interests are protected. But we are told that in the kingdom of God, it is to be exactly the opposite. We become great by making sure that others' interests are protected. Yes, we are to serve one another, and so become great in the kingdom of God. The words which were given to James in our epistle reading for today take Jesus' message of serving one another and therefore becoming great right down to the level of brass tacks. For those words get very specific about how it is that we are to love one another and to serve one another, particularly when it comes to the words that we speak to one another. He says that when we are discussing things with one another, we are to exercise wisdom that comes from above. Indeed, we are not to take our own thoughts and put them on the throne, but rather we are to take thoughts that come from the throne above and put them into our mouth. For if we don't, James says that then we will let our selfish ambitions and our jealousies create disorder among us. Vile practices will begin among us. We will be divided and not unified. I'd like to take today just one verse from James 3 and focus in on the very words that are there. 
Listen to verse 17 again. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. James throws together that whole list of adjectives to describe what wisdom that comes from above looks like and how it acts. It is how we are to act if we wish to ensure that we will be serving one another, that we will be planting seeds in fields of peace that will give forth a harvest of righteousness. James says that before all other things, one thing must come first. When we are speaking to one another, our first concern must be that our words are holy and pure. In other words, we must make sure that what we're speaking is actually true. We're not to exaggerate the truth that makes it easier to make the case for our side. We're not to make up things about people that are standing on the other side. But making sure our words are true is really only the first step. Next, we are told that our words are to be peaceable. We must ask when we are speaking whether the things that we are speaking and the way in which we are speaking is likely to cause unity between those who are now divided or whether it's more likely to continue to cause division. Because we should not want division in the household of God, James then goes on to reveal that our words are also to be gentle. When making our points, we need to make sure that we don't give the impression that we think that the other side is wrong simply because they are stupid or they are ignorant. No, we are to be kind with our words. We are to present our case in a way that makes sure that it is evident that we hope that God indeed will make sure that the best solution comes about and that all are served. It should be evident that we are seeking unity and clarity. And that means that the goal in speaking is never to make sure that we simply win the argument but to make sure that the best possible solution is found and that everyone will be unified around it. The next word that James reveals about how our words are to be is that they are to be open to reason. The book of Proverbs repeatedly says that those who are wise are open to correction. And so if you're in an argument and you refuse to even listen to the other side, the book of Proverbs would call you foolish rather than wise. When we're talking to one another, we need to listen to one another. We need to be aware that there might well be good wisdom coming from the other side. And yes, we even need to admit that it's quite possible we just might be wrong. The next thing James says is that our words are to be full of mercy and good fruits. And that means, again, that we are to treat one another well. We're to speak with love and kindness instead of with rage and bitterness. We're to offer forgiveness to one another. We're not to jump on people because they make one mistake. Instead, we are to welcome each person, even if they have made a mistake 
to contribute the wisdom that they might have. We are to show mercy to others as our Lord has shown mercy to us. The Spirit also teaches us that our words are to be impartial. And that means that we shouldn't just take sides based on who we like or who we hang out with or who our family is. No, we indeed are to hope that truth and judgment will win out the day and that everyone would be served by decisions made. And finally, the Spirit teaches us that our words are to be sincere. That is not to say that we can say whatever we want. In fact, there should be no hypocrisy in our words. What we say at a public gathering should be what we say when no one else is watching. We are to speak sincerely because the Spirit gives us His words, and those words should always be spoken sincerely. Sadly, though, I suppose we can admit today that we don't always follow these words of wisdom given to us in the Scriptures. Instead, often we let the passions that are going with inside of us end up causing division among us. We let jealousy and selfish ambition work their worst. Well, today, each and every one of us, then, is called to humble ourselves before God. We are to admit that at times we get so carried away with what's going on that we end up using words that we ought not use. Yes, we have to admit that while we're not likely, perhaps along the way of the road or in the car on the road, to have a discussion about who is greatest in the kingdom of God, our actions show that many times that's exactly the kind of concerns that we have. We want to make sure that we are listened to, that we have power, that we have influence, that others recognize just how great we are. Well, today we must humble ourselves before God. We must humble ourselves before God and admit that if it's just up to us, we are far from the greatest in the kingdom. In fact, we can join the Apostle Paul in saying we are the least, that we are the chief among sinners. Yes, today we must resist the devil and the passions that are inside of us that the devil loves to stoke into a great and blazing fire. Today we draw near unto God. And thankfully, he draws near unto us. He has already drawn near to us today through his word of law, reminding us that often our words are not wisdom from above but indeed serve to cause disorder and strife. But thanks be to God, he also draws near to us today with his wonderful words of wisdom and of gospel. He indeed wants us to know this day that as we repent of our sins, all of our sins are forgiven. He forgives those words that have not been true or peaceable he forgives our words in ways that have not always been so gentle or open to reason. He forgives our words that have been lacking in mercy and the good fruits of the Spirit. He forgives us and gives us new life. And it's not just that he gives us each a new life. He gives us a life together that is meant to be lived out with his wisdom right 
at the center. God's words to us this day are everything that our words are often not. It is wisdom from above that he speaks to us. He gives us words that are true and holy. He gives us words that bring peace between himself and us. His words are sincere and they are impartial. He offers his grace and his mercy to anyone who will receive it. And we know that his words are sincere because we have the cross always before us. There before our eyes is the absolute proof of how sincere God is in wanting to forgive our sins. That he would give his only begotten son for us and our salvation. And blessedly this day the fruits of that cross draw near unto us. As our Lord Jesus comes to us in his body and in his blood to give us that forgiveness of sins. He speaks to us words of wisdom from above. He says, take and eat, take and drink. This is my body and blood given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Eat my body and drink my blood and you will have life in you. And you together will have life given by the Spirit of God. All who humble themselves today are exalted by the Lord. All who repent this day are forgiven by him. And all who desire to have that wisdom from above, have it in Jesus' name. Amen.